0: If investors want to be a little bit tactical in their exposure and their positioning, there is a bit of a window where we think the U.S. dollar could potentially appreciate relative to the Bank of Canada, simply on the back of this thought that rates are going to keep rising in the U.S.,
1: Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.
2: With inflation data diverging, odds are growing that monetary policy will follow suit with the Fed forced to continue tightening interest rates while the Bank of Canada hits pause. On today's episode, Portfolio Managers Chris McKinney, Alfred Lee, and your host Mackenzie Box discuss how to benefit from the expected policy divergence as the greenback strengthens in the near term. They also discuss the Canadian Bank's quarterly results, as well as the outlook for healthcare stocks. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at BMOETFs.ca.
3: Hello, and welcome back to our BMO ETFs Weekly Insights Podcast with our team of experts. Thank you to everyone for continuing to tune in and to provide your comments and questions. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, in product at BMO Global Asset Management. Today, I'm joined by my colleagues, Alfred Lee and Chris McKinney, who are both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. So thank you both to Alfred and Chris for joining today. Good
4: morning. Thanks, Mackenzie.
3: All right. Well, first, let's get started. Something that's very topical right now, we've seen a lot of headlines about this, is the bank's earnings. Uh, We've just seen a bunch come in in the last couple of days. Scotia Scotia just reported recently. Um, Alfred, maybe you can give us an update on this.
4: Sure. Yeah. As you mentioned, a bunch of uh, banks just uh, reported earnings over the last uh, week or so. Um, So Scotia reported yesterday, uh, they reported net income excluding one-time items of $1.85 $1.85 per share. Uh, this was notably lower than the street, which was expecting $2.03 a share. So, um, you know, what they commented with that, uh, you know, profits were down because of lower investment banking activity, uh, which weighed on its capital markets group. Um, so, uh, BNS shares were down 5.7% yesterday, just looking at um, uh, the price activity yesterday. Uh, but what weighed on this stock was more so the bank writing up its loan loss provisions. So Scotia booked um, 638 million of provisions, which was almost three times higher than the 222 million of provisions that they wrote up a year ago. Um, You know, that should be noted that even though Scotia, uh, which has the highest percentage of non-performing loans out of the big six banks, even though it is the highest, it currently sits at only 69 basis points of its total loan portfolio, which is, you know, less than 1%. Um, should also be noted that um, Scotia's uh, tier one capital ratio is 13.2%, which easily meets the 12, 12.6% Basel III uh, minimum requirement as well, which uh, which suggests that, you know, the bank is well capitalized. Um, but, you know, outside of Scotia and, you know, just talking about the other banks in general. Uh, BMO also reported EPS of uh, 3.22 per share, uh, which came in higher than expectations. Uh, Royal also reported this morning, which was also higher than expectations uh, based on strong fixed income trading. Uh, National and CIBC also reported, which also beat expectations as well. Uh, TD is up tomorrow. So, you know, if you want a deeper recap of the Canadian bank earnings, um, Chris Heats and Dan Stanley are doing the deeper dive. Uh, In, I believe, two weeks or so. Um, So definitely make sure you check that one out. But just in terms of banking as a whole, um, you know, when you look at the entire banking group, the Canadian banks as a whole, um, you know, on the whole, they had uh, pretty decent earnings. But, you know, you had one uh, bank that uh, so far disappointed just in terms of versus expectations. But overall, you know, when you look at banks as an industry group altogether, they generally are pretty strong performers. So, um, you know, that's why when you invest in banks through an ETF, you know you do get that diversification. So even if you know one or two banks disappoint, um, you know that that banking group as a whole, as I mentioned, has tended to outperform over time. So uh, just looking back, you know historically since 2000, uh, when you look at the performance of the TSX, so if you invest if if you invest in the TSX since you know 2000, uh, your investment would be up 3.3 times. Uh, the Canadian banks over the same uh, time period was was up. Eleven point six times. Obviously, you know historical performance is no indicator of future performance, but that is um, a good look of how the banks have performed historically. So, um, you know, right now when you look at the banks, revenues have been softer because um, you know potentially we are heading into recession. Um, but when you look at the valuations on the bank, they're trading at about twenty five percent discount to the TSX. Um, when you look at, you know, higher rates and the weaker economic backdrop, which is definitely weighing on the bank bank stocks right now. um, You know, one thing to keep in mind is that, you know, when everything is looking rosy and when everything is looking perfect, the banks would not be trading at this discount right now. But um, again, you know, ZEB is a good way to get exposure to the Canadian banks, equally weighted. Um, But if you do believe that the banks are going to be trading sideways over the next year or so, Um, You know, perhaps a better vehicle is ZWB, which is the uh, covered call Canadian banks. Um, This is a good one. So if you believe, you know, the sector is going to be volatile, it's a good way to monetize that volatility. So the Canadian banks as a whole are paying out a dividend of about 4.7%, which is what you're getting on ZEB. So ZWB, you're getting an additional 3% from that covered call uh, writing overlay, which brings you to about 7.5% in total yield. Uh, Keep in mind with our covered call, we're writing only on 50% of the portfolio, which does allow the portfolio to uh, participate if the market does rally. So, um, you know, that's one thing to note uh, just on our covered calls um, altogether. But we do have a number of different ways to get exposure to banks. But, you know, as I mentioned, uh, they are looking pretty attractive at this point just from a valuation perspective.
3: Great. Thanks, Alfred.
1: BMO ETFs is proud to launch 10 new tickers with a range of solutions covering fixed-income, sector-based covered calls, and inflation solutions. The BMO U.S. Aggregate Bond Index ETF, ticker ZUAG, gives investors access to the broad U.S. market for shorter-duration bonds. Two new covered call funds in energy and healthcare tickers. ZWEN and ZWHC, respectively, are now available for sector focused investors. For those seeking inflation fighting funds, the BMO Global Agriculture ETF or BMO US Tips Index ETFs, tickers ZEAT and TIPS, satisfy both equity and bond solutions to rising consumer prices. Visit BMOETFs.ca for more.
3: Next, we'll turn it over to you, Chris. Economic data has started to diverge between US and Canada. In a world where good news is bad news and bad news is good news, Canada now looks like it has pulled ahead in its fight to tame inflation. Is it possible that the Bank of Canada will pause while the Fed continues to hike? And what will the impact be on currency? This is kind of a two part question. Would you hedge your U.S. dollar exposure through an ETF like BMO S&P 500 hedge to CAD index ETF, ticker ZUE, or go unhedged with BMO S&P 500 index, ticker ZSP? Chris, can you give us a, an update on that?
0: Sure. Thanks, Mackenzie. And uh, interesting, as you say, uh, good news is bad and bad news is good. You know, why Why do we think that? Well. If we look at just, you know, macroeconomic indicators and and data that's coming through, whether that's GDP or in particular jobs, um, as jobs numbers stay high, and we have seen um, that in both Canada and the U.S., uh, job growth continuing, um, the expectation is that if job growth remains strong and the job market remains really tight, then purchasing power is going to remain strong, demand will remain strong, and therefore inflation has the potential to remain high as well, which in turn would mean central banks need to either keep hiking interest rates or leave them at a high level for for a long time. And so that tends to weigh on equity markets when you see that positive economic data. Uh, We want to see some level of slowing down in order to get some clarity as to when interest rates are going to stop being hiked Um, And then as well, start to uh, start to come back down to more normalized levels. But uh, going back to the first part of your question, if we take a look at what the CPI levels are, what inflation does look like both north and south of the border. You know, the latest readings out of the U.S. have uh, headline CPI at 6.4 percent and core CPI at 5.6 percent off the highs, but still relatively high Um, And in Canada, those numbers CPI at 5.9% and core at 5.0 or 5.1, depending on which measure of core you look at in Canada. So also relatively high, particularly to what we're used to uh, in Canada, but certainly lower than in the US. And if there's one central bank globally that has done as much or, or potentially more to get out front and fight inflation by raising interest rates, it has been the Bank of Canada, uh, which started their hiking cycle uh, almost exactly one year ago. Um, so interesting just to even look back and think, um, you know, 425 basis points in Canada, 450 basis points uh, in the US uh, have been increased uh, over the last year or so. And really, uh, the economy hasn't even started to really feel that yet. If, if Uh, The expectation is that it takes about 12 to 18 months for interest rate hikes to start making their way through the system. Um, We can think that we're only going to start realizing the impact of those higher rates um, going forward here in 2023. So I think this does open up a little bit of a window. You know, the Bank of Canada has indicated uh, they will pause for now in terms of their hiking cycle. They haven't uh, ruled out any further hikes, but they have indicated they will pause in order to see um, the effect of all those interest rate hikes that that have happened over the last year or so. Uh, If we take a look at what's priced into the market, um, the market is expecting maybe one more rate hike out of the Bank of Canada over the next, call it uh, three to six months or so. And so, you know, if if the bank isn't done uh, hiking rates, they should be near the end, at least uh, according to market expectations. Now, if we take a look south of the border, expectations are for three more interest rate hikes um, coming out of the US, you know, 25 basis points um, at three different times, uh, again, over the next call it six months or so. So there is this little window here, if investors want to be a little bit tactical um, in their exposure and their positioning, there is a bit of a window where we think the US dollar could potentially appreciate relative to the Bank of Canada, simply on the back of this thought that, Uh, rates are going to keep rising in the US probably a little bit more than they are in Canada simply because that CPI number and those other inflation metrics have not come down to the same degree as we've seen in Canada. And so this could lead to in the short term, if you're looking to either hedge or unhedge your your US dollar exposure, I might lean to something like ZSP, as you mentioned, the BMO S&P 500 index ETF, which is unhedged and allow that U.S. dollar exposure um, to play out again over the next, call it six months or so. This is, again, more of a tactical positioning uh, where we see this potential for the the increase higher uh, U.S. dollar in the short term. Uh, But certainly in the longer term, there is an expectation that uh, a weaker U.S. dollar uh, is in the cards, both relative to the Canadian dollar and relative to international currencies as well. As international central banks um, sort of catch up to what we've done in North America in the hiking cycle, as we start to wind things down here in North America, uh, international markets will continue to raise interest rates. So you will see that U.S. dollar broadly uh, weaken in terms of you know what's expected over the longer term. And so for investors that really just want to you know set it and forget it or and take that longer term approach. Um, You know, we might suggest using that hedge to CAD ETF, use that ZUE, for example, if you're investing in the S&P 500 um, and take that longer term approach that we will see a weakening U.S. dollar uh, as eventually interest rates uh, stop being increased. Hopefully that inflation level comes back down a little bit um, and then we'll see again international markets uh, somewhat catch up to what we've done in North America and have those international currencies uh, increase relative to the U.S. dollar.
3: Thanks, Chris. And I'll just add that uh, we are actually putting out a currency hedge piece, uh, hopefully uh, by next week. So uh, you can look for that in our two minute update email or on our BMO ETF dashboard, which is BMOETFs.ca. Next, we're going to switch gears and talk about international equities. They've outperformed over the last three months. Uh, Given the clouded picture in inflation and the ongoing geopolitical tensions, where would you allocate? And maybe we can look at comparing currency hedge versions uh, that largely remove the impact of currency, like our MSCI EFI hedge to CAD index, which is ticker ZDM versus ZUE, which is the hedge to CAD uh, S&P 500 index. Alfred, I'll pass that one over to you.
4: Sure. So I I think the easy answer is, you know, well-constructed portfolios should have uh, strategic allocations of both U.S. and, and internationals. but you know, from a tactical perspective, I'd still say I would overweight U.S. equities at this point. Um, you know, right now, um, you know, when you look at U.S. equities, they started the year off with a lot of momentum. And, you know, when we started the year, there's an expectation that, you know, the Fed was pretty close uh, in terms of, you know, pausing interest rate hikes, but obviously given the strength of, you know, the more recent economic data, uh, which suggests that, you know, inflation is a little bit higher than uh than we expected and you know especially with that pce coming in a little bit hotter than the hotter than expected as well uh the market's just right now you know it's pricing in that we are potentially getting you know a few more rate hikes from the fed um and also you know potentially the market's pricing in that uh rates are going to remain higher rather than the rate cuts that uh the market was anticipating on the back half of the year which you know, we've been expecting that rates are going to remain higher and we're not going to see those rate cuts um, later this year. Um, but overall, you know, just when you look at U.S. inflationary data, um, you know, as Chris pointed out, um, the U.S. Is, is well ahead just in terms of where it is in terms of its fight to uh, tame inflation versus uh, the international region. So, for example, you know, when I look at Europe, for example, the Eurozone harmonized CPI came in a 8.6 uh, percent. UK CPI, the most recent reading was 10.1 um, percent. So in terms of inflation, I think, you know, the eurozone definitely has a lot more to do compared to the Fed. Um, so because of that, you know, just when you think about monetary conditions and what you know central banks have to do just in terms of, you know, raising rates, uh, quantitative tightening and whatnot, um, I would say the U.S. is much closer to that finish line compared to um, you know, regions in the in in Europe, uh, in Asia, it's a very similar story as well. So when you look at Japan, which has you know, obviously been you know, notorious for deflationary conditions over the last decade and even t- the two last decades, um, the expectation is that we're going to get some uh, rate hikes from the Bank of Japan as well. And with China reopening its economy, that's potentially going to put further upward pressure on um, you know inflationary conditions in the Asian region as well. From a geopolitical standpoint, I think that's the other concern that you have to be cognizant about uh, when looking at international regions as well. So with Russia and Ukraine, uh, the likelihood is that, you know, from what we could tell right now, it definitely looks like, you know, it's a conflict that's going to be long and drawn out. It does potentially have the uh, potential to escalate as well. So those are some concerns that, you know, when you're investing in U.S. equities, you know, you don't have to. Uh, concern yourself with those uh, geopolitical concerns. So even though, you know, you have the upcoming U.S. presidential elections in the next two years, from a geopolitical perspective, you know, that's much of a lower concern compared to, you know, what's going on uh, just in terms of Russia and Ukraine. Um, So overall, you know, just overall, when you look at uh, U.S. large cap companies, um, one thing is that, you know, when you're looking at some of those mega cap companies, they are global in nature. They just happen to be headquartered out of the U.S. So when I look at ZSP, for example, uh, which is our S and P 500 composite ETF, you know, just looking at some of the top holdings—Apple, Microsoft, uh, Google, Visa, Procter and Gamble—these are all global companies that derive revenues globally as well. Um, so you know, just when you're looking at um, a portfolio, I do think you know U.S. equities in reality do provide a lot of global exposure. Um, But as mentioned, I think, you know, well-diversified portfolios should have exposure to, you know, whether it's ZSP, even, you know, ZCN, which is our S&P TSX composite ETF, and, you know, ZDM, which is our uh, MSCI EFI hedgeback to the Canadian dollar ETF. I think those are all, you know, good building blocks to have in the portfolio to improve the overall efficiency. Um, But I think if you are interested in playing, you know, Europe or You know, just that European region in general. I think one good way to play that from a tactical perspective is ZEQ, which is our MSCI high quality uh, Europe um, ETF, which is hedged back to the Canadian dollar. Um, So we often talk about our quality ETFs, most notably ZUQ, which is our um, US quality ETF. So, same screening metrics apply to ZEQ as well. We're looking for companies that have high return on equity, low earnings variability and also low financial leverage as well. And this one happens to be currency hedged as well. So it's a good way to get blue chip companies from that European nation into your portfolio and at the same time have those high quality um, attributes that we often talk about on this podcast as well.
3: Great, thanks Alfred.
1: Amid elevated interest rates and market volatility, consider six BMO ETFs yielding over 6%, including the BMO Canadian High Dividend Covered Call ETF, ticker ZWC, featuring solid historical dividend growth. The BMO Covered Call Canadian Bank's ETF, ticker ZWB, invests solely in Canadian financials, presenting an attractive valuation opportunity. Or the BMO covered call utilities ETF, ticker ZWU, provides exposure to an equal weight portfolio of utilities, telecoms, and pipeline companies. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.ca and search for tickers ZWC, ZWB, and ZWU.
3: Chris, we've seen the healthcare sector kind of bubble up in the last month or so. What's driving this and what's the outlook for this sector moving forward?
0: Yeah, if we take a look at the healthcare sector, you know, really showed its defensive characteristics in 2022, I would say, you know, really outperforming the broad market. If we take a look at the US, uh, S&P 500 was down about, call it 18% or so. Uh, The healthcare sector within the S&P 500 was only down 2%. So um, again, you could see really defensive characteristics there and a strong outperformance I think what we've seen to start 2023 was almost a bit of a reversal of 2022. And so we've seen uh, the healthcare sector underperform out of the gate here, where, you know, in January, U.S. equity markets really started to take off on the thought or hope that uh, the so-called soft landing could be achieved where we have economic slowdown and, and inflation gets under control without having to, without entering a recession. Um, And so I think that's what was driving markets early in 2023. And so healthcare actually, um, you know, in a reversal, lagged the market um, as as equities in general were strong and the risk on sentiment was strong. Um, So, you know, if anything, I think for investors interested in the sector and and believers in the long term trends that are driving this sector, um, you know, this little bit of a sell off to start the year in 2023 could prove a nice entry point um, into getting exposure into the sector. And so, you know, what are some of those long-term, more secular type trends that are that are creating these tailwinds? Of course, demographics and the aging population of, of the U.S. and sort of the Western world. Uh, we we see this in, in Japan as well, um, having a similar issue where the population continues to age, and a greater proportion of the population um, will require healthcare services as they as they age. You know, just taking a look at projections out to twenty thirty, which all of a sudden is not that far away. Um, you know, we're going to pass the point where over 20% of the population is 65 years or older. And so, you know, just passing those milestones over the next few years of that increased proportion of the population uh, becoming 65 and older and then starting to require some of these healthcare services. And so when you look at uh, projections for different parts of the market within the healthcare sector, um, you know, revenue opportunities um, continue to increase over time. Um, and really represent a really strong case uh, for investment in the area, in the sector. And then I think also just going through Covid has highlighted um, you know the importance of innovation and investment in the healthcare sector and has really got a bit more public support behind that. I think, whether that is um, you know just individuals looking to invest and allocate to the sector, or whether it's support for government programs to continue um, investing in that sector as well. I think you're going to see a lot of investment just driven into the healthcare sector overall over the next few years uh, based on some of these um, longer term trends. And so, you know, different ways to play that. If you're really bullish on the sector, you could take a look at our BMO Equal Weight Healthcare Index ETF. We have ticker ZUH, which is a hedge to Canadian dollar version of that, or ticker ZHU. Uh, is an unhedged version. So, you know, going back to some of these um, discussions we've had on currency, um, deciding which exposure you want there, um, we we offer both scenarios. Um, but also something that might be a little bit uh, interesting to certain investors or income-oriented investors is our BMO-covered call healthcare ETF ticker ZWHC, uh, which also gives a similar exposure to the underlying equities uh, as you would get in Z. UH, but it has our covered call overlay on top of it. And uh, again, what you're doing there is trading away some potential growth for, for the certainty of income today. So it creates a nice little income stream out of a sector that generally doesn't give a lot back in terms of dividend yield or, or things like that. Um, you know, you can get a dividend, uh, within this sector of about one and a half, let's call it 1.2. Uh, but if you add a uh, four to 5% on top of that from the covered call overlay. Um, you're getting a nice uh, income stream out of that sector in a little bit more defensive way uh, or conservative way to play that sector and the growth potential uh, that's coming out of there. We've actually put up a a trade idea uh, covering some of these topics uh, on our dashboard to to, uh, take a look at a little bit of a deeper dive into ZWHC. Um, So I would suggest investors looking to uh, get some more information on the healthcare sector uh, check out the dashboard and, and take a look at that trade opportunity we've published.
3: Great, thanks, Chris. And I'll just kind of finish that off as the dashboard's a great resource uh, to explore. There's lots of good trade ideas um, in terms of different sectors to play, uh, currency hedge, which will be coming out next week. And then there's also uh, a bunch of other tools on there that you can leverage, whether it be taxes or how to manage inflation. Um, so I would encourage everyone to check that out. Uh, with that, that is all the questions that we have for this week. I just want to thank everyone for listening in and a special thank you to both Alfred and Chris for providing some great insights this week. And yeah, at that, we'll just say thanks, everyone. Have a great day and we'll see you next week.
2: Thank you to Mackenzie Box, Chris McKinney and Alfred Lee for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Equal Weight Banks Index ETF, ticker ZEB, which invests in a diversified basket of Canada's best known lenders. Our experts also discussed the BMO S&P 500 Hedged to Canadian Dollar Index ETF, ticker ZUE, which gives investors access to U.S. blue-chip stocks while mitigating currency impacts. And finally, the BMO Covered Call Healthcare ETF, ticker ZWHC, which holds high-quality healthcare stocks with a call option overlay that provides a monthly cash distribution. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at BMOETFs.ca. That's BMOETFs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management, Inc. and BMO Investments, Inc. operate.